شهد الله أنه لا إله إلا هو والملائكة والملائكة وأولو العلم قائما بالقسط لا إله إلا هو العزيز الحكيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على عبده ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد فالحمد لله praise Allah سبحانه وتعالى for bringing us back to مجالس العلم to gatherings of knowledge that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said about them بإذن الله تعالى ومجتمع قوم في بيت من بيوت الله يتلون كتاب الله ويتدارسونه بينهم there are no people who gather in the house in a house from the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they are reciting the book of Allah and studying it amongst them and what comes under that is all knowledge which is under the sharia they study the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَيَتَدَارَسُونَهُ بَيْنَهُمْ إِلَّا حَفَّتْهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ except that the angels they surround them وَغَشِيَتْهُمُ الرَّحْمَةِ and mercy encompasses them وَنَزَلَتْ عَلَيْهِمُ السَّكِينَةِ and tranquility descends upon amongst them. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he said that in a hadith that those people they will get they will stand up and it will be said to them, Qumu Maghfura Lakum stand up and you all of your sins are forgiven for the people who are seeking the knowledge of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the companions they said, Ya Rasulullah, what about if a person or the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam or the angels sorry they would say to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there was a person who just came and he was just, he wasn't part of the gathering of knowledge, but he just sat, he sat amongst them. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said in the hadith, he said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, or a similar wording, These are people who whoever sits with them is not going to be sad either. Meaning even if you just sit with the people of seeking knowledge, you'll be forgiven as well. So this is one of the virtues of the seeking, the seeking, seeking of knowledge amongst these gatherings. And as we know that this ummah, uh, it's khair and it's good. It's always there as long as knowledge is present. As Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri, rahimahullah ta'ala from the tabi'een, he said, فَنَعْشُ الْعِلْمِ When knowledge is present amongst the people, بَقَاءُ الدِّينِ وَالدُّنْيَا The people's deen and their dunya is, it will stay. وَذَهَابُ الْعِلْمِ And when knowledge goes away, ذَهَابُ ذَلِكَ كُلِّهِ That's when all of, everything goes away. So أَصْلُ كُلِّ خَيْرِ The foundation of all good in this ummah is that knowledge is amongst them. People are learning knowledge and acting upon it. And evil comes when ignorance is about. Alhamdulillah, uh, we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that. And one of the things that we need to do is make sure that we are thankful to Allah. Ash-shukr. Because the Prophet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us in the Quran, وَإِذْ تَأَذَّنَ رَبُّكُمْ لَإِن شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ Remember when Allah Azza wa Jal, He announced that if you are thankful, then He's going to definitely increase you. You're thankful for a ni'mah that Allah gave to you, He'll give you another one if you're thankful. But if you're ungrateful, then know that my punishment is, is severe. And the way that we give thanks to the ni'mah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is by acknowledging that this is a blessing from Allah. If it wasn't for Allah, we wouldn't have been here. We would have been like all of the other people. We would have been a kafir maybe. If it wasn't for the ni'mah of Allah. As the companions, they would say, Wallahi, lawla Allahumma ahtadayna. وَمَا تَصَدَّقْنَا وَمَا صَلَّيْنَا فَأَنْزِلًا سَكِينَةً عَلَيْنَا وَثَبِّتِ الْأَقْدَامَ إِلَّا قِيْنَا إِنَّ الْأُولَى قَدْ بَغَوْا عَلَيْنَا إِذَا أَرَادُوا فِتْنَةً أَبَيْنَا 
companions, they say, Wallah, if it wasn't for Allah, ma tasaddaqna wa la salina, we'd never given charity. And we have never, we would never have prayed. Only for the ni'mah of Allah. So we have to recognize that, that you're here because of a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if it wasn't for Allah, you would have been like those other people on the streets, doing whatever they're doing, whether it be haram, whether it be a kafir, whether those pe- a person busy with his dunya outside. But Allah chose you to be in a gathering from the gatherings of knowledge. Rawdatun miriyad al-jannah. A garden from the gardens of Jannah. And that number two, to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we pronounce it on our tongues, that we say alhamdulillah, we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And number three, that you act upon this ni'mah. You only do good with this blessing. That when you're here, your intention isn't anything bad. Your intention is nothing but to gain the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't use this gathering of knowledge or the knowledge that you gain in it for haram. You only use it for halal and use it for good. And part of thanking Allah for your eyes is to only look at good. Part of thanking Allah with your ears is only to hear good. Part, part of thanking Allah with, subhanahu wa ta'ala with your mouth is about only speaking good. And part of thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the knowledge that you gain is to act by it and to be sincere in it and to do good with it. Not to do any evil with it. Now, alhamdulillah, we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that. That's a reminder about uh, knowledge. So, last time we had our lessons, we stopped at Kitab al-Nikah, in the middle of Kitab al-Nikah. And so I thought, inshallah ta'ala, today, we will start from the beginning of Kitab al-Nikah as a revision. Mm-hmm. And for the people who didn't attend, inshallah ta'ala, it will be uh, a new class for them. So, we will start Kitab al-Nikah. The author, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, Kitab al-Nikah, وَمَا يَتَّصُلُ بِهِ مِنَ الْأَحْكَامِ وَالْقَضَايَا Kitab al-Nikah is the third of four parts of fiqh. Who remembers the four parts of fiqh that fiqh is built on? Ibadat, hmm. <laughs> acts of worship. Mu'amalat, which are transactions between people. Ahkam al usra, which are nikah and what is connected to it. And? And jinayat, criminal law. So, in nikah, in this section of fiqh, we're going to go through many different chapters. Many different chapters that are to do with relations between the family or specifically and not just specifically but generally between the husband and the wife and what we learn about it is how the nikah يعني, the nikah the conditions of the nikah in it we learn about how to initiate the nikah and before that we learn about things like another which we're going to take today and the wali and then after that the the, the fuqaha they go on to talaq divorce and different types of separation so then they speak about talaq and they speak about khul' then they speak about li'an and al-dhihar these are all different types of rulings about separation then they speak about al-wasiyah um, they speak about uh, we already spoke, we already took al-wasiyah actually and inheritance that, that came before already fa this is what we're going to be going on today so this is kitab al-nikah kitab al-nikah the word nikah lughatan in the arabic language it means al-dhamm when two things come together they intertwine and nikah so it means to intertwine like they say, nakahat al-shajarah, the two trees, when they, the, the twigs of the trees, they, or the branches of the trees, they intertwine. You say, the nakahat al-shajarah, the two trees, they became, they, they, they intertwined, right? As for in, in, in the sharia, when we're talking about nikah, then it is the contract of marriage. The contract of marriage, simply put, okay? And so the author, rahimahullah ta'ala, first issue that he speaks about when it comes to nikah is, وَالنِّكَاحُ يُسْتَحَبُّ لِمَنِ احْتَاجَ إِلَيْهِ 
He says nikah is recommended for whoever needs it. And nikah mustahab for whoever needs it. First of all, we have to understand that nikah, it takes, what's the ruling on nikah? Is it sunnah? Is it makruh? Is it, it takes all five rulings. It could be haram, could be makruh, could be mubah, could be mustahab, and it could be wajib upon different people. So let's take those rulings. Number one, the nikah is wajib on who? It is obligatory on number one, the one who needs to get married. His self wants to get married. He's attracted. Number one. The second thing about this person also, he's able to get married. He's able physically and financially to get married. He's able physically and financially to get married. And number three is, he fears upon himself haram. And some of the scholars, they mention that Imam Ahmed, it says, Al-anat, zina. If he fears upon himself to commit zina, then he has to get married if he has the ability to do it. And other scholars, what's even better to say is to say if you fear upon yourself any haram. Is the, 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 the haram that nikah prevents isn't just zina. It's also looking. It's also touching. It's also speaking. If any person feels like that he's going to get into haram, if he doesn't get married or because he's not married, then it is wajib upon him to get married if he's able to. Is that clear? So that's the person who nikah is wajib upon to get married. Tayyib. The second category is mustahab, recommended. Who is it recommended to get nikah and to get married? Number one, he is someone who needs it and is able to. Those two conditions. Who, sorry, he wants to get married and he's able to. Physically and financially, of course. When you say ability, we say physically and financially. What do you mean by physically? He's able to um, physically have um, relations with his wife. And financially, he's able to spend the obligatory nafaqa on his wife, the obligatory spending on his wife, house, and we're going to go to that when we come to the chapter com- covering and, and nafaqa and nafaqat. Tayyib, that is uh, mustahab. Number three will say it is makruh. Who is it disliked for them to get, to get, to get married? It's disliked for the one who has not got the ability to get married. He hasn't got the ability to get married financially or physically. But if he does get married, his wife will not be harmed. Yani the, the inability doesn't cause harm to his wife. If it causes harm to his wife, then it becomes haram upon him. Yani that person, he gets married and he has no ability to satisfy his wife, for example, physically or financially. And because of that, she's going to go commit haram. In that case, that person's haram for him to get married in that case, in that situation. Do you understand? Because he's preventing someone else from her rights. And she, because of that, she's going to go look, at, look for it for, some, for someone else. And she's not able to get it from him. So therefore, it's haram for him to get married. And makruh is if he's, he's not going to be harmed. Tayyip. When is it mubah? Just allowed to get married? According to the scholars, they say, when you don't need it, and you can, but you don't need it, and you don't fear haram. In that case, they, they say it's mubah for you to get married, it's, it's allowed. طيب. Um, another thing that's important to understand when it comes to the rulings of, of, of getting married is that they say, for the one who 
it is wajib upon him to get married. For the one who is wajib upon him to get married. Let's say he cannot afford it. So he needs it. He needs to get married. Because he fears haram. And his self wants to get married. But he cannot get married. Then they say because of financial means. Then in that case what happens for that person? We say the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. he said in the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud narrated by Bukhari Muslim. Ya ma'ashar al-shabab. Man istata'a minkum ulba'ata falyatazawaj. Whoever is able to get married, then get married. Whoever is not able to, whoever is not able to, then get. Whoever is not able to, then they should. Whoever is not able to, whoever is not able to, then they should fast. فعليه بالصوم هي شيء فاست فاست يعني لا لا this is towards me لا 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 طيب هي فاست right هي فاست طيب what about someone who fasting and he still got desires what does he do? For we say, then this person should get married, and inshallah Allah will provide for him. Because Allah says in the Quran, وَأَنْكِحُوا الْأَيَامَ مِنْكُمْ وَالصَّالِحِينَ مِنْ عِبَادِكُمْ وَإِمَائِكُمْ إِنْ يَكُونُوا فُقَرَاءَ يُغْنِهِمُ اللَّهُ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ That he commands you to get married. إِنْ يَكُونُوا فُقَرَاءَ If you're poor, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will enrich you from his, from his fadl. So in that case, we say if a person, he needs to get married, and he fears for himself haram, but he hasn't got the financial ability, then he should get married, and inshaAllah ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide for him. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma is narrated from him that he said about this ayah, I am shocked about people who know that Allah promised them richness when they get married, and they don't get married. Rather they say, some of the salaf they used to say, that they would get married in order to gain money. They would get married in order to gain rizq from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because that's what Allah promised in the Quran. And so that's something that I would advise, Brothers and sisters, when it comes to marriage, that especially in our time today, when the fitna is in a way where there has never been in history, the ways of haram are so many, it's never been like this in history of, of, of the world, طيب? that a person should not, as Sheikh Mabazi said, don't use a'adhar wahiya, weak excuses. Say, I'm trying to finish my, 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 my university, I'm trying to finish my college, I'm trying to get some money, I'm trying to earn a, whatever, earn a, all of this stuff, no. This kind of thing, it only increases the person in haram. I, and I would highly advise a person that it's because of the place and the time that we're living in, that marriage, inshallah, and I believe that it is wajib upon the majority of the youth, if they're able to, if they're able to. As for waiting for excuses because they cannot get married and things like that, then that's only increasing them in the, in the haram. That's only increasing them in doing things that are haram. So that is the rulings behind marriage. So the nikah, it takes how many rulings? Wajib for you. Hmm. The one who has ability and he wants to get married and he fears for himself haram. And what's that mustahab for you? Recommended for you? The one who wants to and he's able to get married, but it doesn't fear. It's in haram. And it is haram for? The one who hasn't got. 
Because he has no ability, no need. Uh, no, he hasn't got the ability, not about need. What do you say need? I didn't mention need. No ability, and he, because of that inability, he's going to harm the wife. And makruh, if it's not going to harm the wife. Now. Physically and, and financially. Now. Then he says, وَيَجُوزُ لِلْحُرِّ أَنْ يَجْمَعَ بَيْنَ أَرْبَعِ حَرَائِرِ وَالْعَبْدِ بَيْنَ اثنتين. He said it's allowed for a free person, meaning not a slave, to have four free women as wives. So he's allowed to have four wives. And this is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran, in Surah An-Nisa. He says, فَانْكِحُوا مَا طَابَ لَكُمْ مِنَ النِّسَاءِ مَثْنَى وَالثُلَاثَ وَرُبَعَ Marry what you, مَا طَابَ لَكُمْ What you feel uh, good with from the women, two, three or four. So from this he says that the maximum that a person is allowed to get married are four wives. And this is because of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. When a man came to the Prophet ﷺ and he had ten wives and he just became Muslim. So he asked the Prophet ﷺ, what should I do in this situation? So the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Amsik arba'an wa fariq keep, keep four of your wives and leave the rest. And that shows that it's only allowed for a person to get married to four and no more. It's not allowed to have any more. And this is something that um, there is um, that the scholars will mention. طيب. Um, when it comes to marrying for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us It's really annoying. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says mm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He says that But if you fear that you're not going to be able to do justice between them So then you only marry one Now the scholars they differed What is better? Is it better for a person to marry more than one or just to marry one? We say Wallahu alam That the asal when it comes to marriage That it is better to marry more than one That's the asal Unless for, a person, unless for a person who's not able to do justice between them. In that case, if a person is not able to do justice between them, then he is not allowed to marry more than one. But the asal is that it is better. And there is difference of opinion. And Imam Shafi'i, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says that it is better for a person just to marry one. And the reasoning that he gives is that it is more likely that you're going to oppress them. And if you marry more than one, then there's more rights upon you. There's more rights over you. So it's more likely for you to oppress them. So therefore he says it's better for a person to only stick to one, uh, one, one wife. But Allahu alam, what seems to be correct is that it is better for a person to marry more than one if they can because of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu when he said khayru hadhi al-umma the best of this ummah is aktharuha is the one who has the most, the most wives. And that doesn't mean that the one who has most wives necessarily is the best. Some of them they even mention that he's talking about here the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The point is that uh, Wallahu alam it seems like it is better and this is the opinion that was taken by Shaykh Ibn Baz rahimahullah ta'ala and the evidence that he used also was the ayah when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us to get married he said thank you my tabalakum in an nisa'i mathna marry two he started off with two then he said three then he said four then he said one this issue this mas'ala is for us to know I'm mentioning it for us to know I'm not mentioning it for you guys to necessarily go and get married to more than two wives. That kind of information, yani we need it. طيب. So he says, As for the slave, then they are allowed to marry two. Because they say that the slave, the rulings of the slave when it comes to marriage and divorce are half of the rulings of a free person. And this is a principle, if you guys want, want, uh, if you guys want to know. The principle is that the, 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 the slave gets half of the punishment and also the rights in nikah than the free person. Yani a slave, 
For example, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, then we said about the slave, if the slave now commits zina, that they are punished half of the punishment of the one who's free. So if a slave commits zina, then they are slashed 50 times instead of 100 times, right? That's the, uh, so similarly, when it comes to divorce, they only have uh, two divorces other than th- as opposed to three because you can't have one and a half divorces. So yeah, they give two. And also similarly, the slave also is only allowed to have two wives, not four. And this is uh, the opinion of the majority of the scholars. And this is the issue that um, is not really present in our times today. Uh, that the free person is not allowed to marry a slave unless there's two conditions. Adam um, That the slave, the free person is not allowed to marry a slave unless there is two conditions met. And that is that he can't afford the sadaq, the mahar of a free woman. And he fears zina. If he cannot afford the, 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 the mahar of a, of a woman and he fears upon himself zina, then he's allowed to marry a slave in that situation. And the reason why the, the, the person is not allowed to marry a slave um, is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, Whoever is not able to marry a muhsanat al-mu'minat, the believing women who are chaste and, and pious, you're not, you're not able to marry one of them, then you can marry a woman slave. Um, the reason why you're not allowed to is because we know in when it comes to children, we said that the, the child follows who when it comes to lineage? The father, right? You follow your father when it comes to your lineage. And you follow your mother when it comes to freedom and slavery. يعني, if a, if a, if a, and this is something that's not present today. It's not present today. Like in, it's for ilm. Uh, if a woman is a slave, then her child is a slave. Even if the father is a, is a free man. Okay? And if the ma- man is a slave and the woman is a free woman, then the child is a free, is a free child. طيب? So now if marrying a slave, what's it going to do? It's going to create more? Slaves and in, in Islam does not like to create slavery. Islam does not like to create slavery. Therefore, it disallowed for a man to marry a free woman. And we know we understand that Islam doesn't um, like to create slavery because of the different ways that slaves are freed in Islam are so many, and the ways that a slave become a man, a person becomes a slave are very very little in Islam. For example, when a person he swears by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and he breaks his oath, what does he have to do? تحرير رقبة free a slave. He does vihar, free a slave. When you, um, you're not able to slaughter an free a slave. All of these things, Allah, Allah says, free a slave, free a slave. And the Prophet said, whoever frees a slave, then it will be freedom for him from the hellfire. So freeing a slave is from the best deeds. And we see in the Sharia, it opens the door to free slavery. Obviously, we're talking about a time when there was slavery. Today, there's no slavery Islamically. No, no acceptable slavery today. Okay? So we're talking about a time when there was slavery. So Islam, it opened the doors to freeing slaves and it Tighten the door to um, making slaves. So, from amongst those ways that Islam tightened the door to making slaves is by making it haram for a free man to marry a slave woman, and this is something that is not present today as a benefit. Is it allowed? We say we know that Islam it has rulings pertaining to slavery. Someone might might, might come and say, all the countries today are kuffar. Muslim countries are kuffar. Why? Because they don't allow slavery. And Allah allowed slavery. And is that is that allowed? Can they say they're kuffar because of that? No, they can't. They can't do that because there's a principle, and, and a lot of you guys probably don't know the answer. Someone might say that, okay, all right. A lot of people might, not, not a lot of you guys. I know you guys are people of knowledge, inshallah, like I'm saying, a lot of people. 
they'll be, they'll be, they'll be like, yeah, I, I don't know what he said wrong. Get the alcohol, you're right. Right? <laughs> like in the principle, here's the principle in Islam. It is allowed for the ruler, the Muslim ruler, to restrict halal. It is allowed for the Muslim ruler to restrict things that are halal. From amongst those things, for example, and I give you an example of this. This is a principle. And whenever I say to you a principle in Islam, it means that this principle covers many aspects of Islam. It doesn't just cover one ruling. It covers many aspects of Islam. For example, jizya. When it comes to taking jizya from the Christians, taking the tax from the Christians and the Jews, it is allowed for the ruler to stop jizya. He's allowed to say, I'm not taking jizya anymore. Rather, Ibn Taymiyyah says that this, this happened in his time. And he said, it's allowed for the ruler to do that. We say, we're not taking jizya from the Christians and the, and the, and the non-Muslims anymore. But they don't have to pay jizya. So that's mubah. It's allowed for the ruler to restrict it. Similarly, slavery. It's allowed for the ruler to restrict such things. And today when we have the international laws that under them come the, or the international agreements, for example, war um, treaties and things like that, it is allowed for Muslim land to go into treaties with the non-Muslims in order to um, prevent certain things such as slavery. Like today it is illegal internationally. Slavery is illegal internationally. It's illegal. So therefore it's allowed for them to go into that, that treaty uh, or into that contract and therefore um, free all slaves. Rather, Ibn Hajar al-Haytami Ibn Hajar al-Haytami, not al-Asqalani, he said, and he died in the year around 900, he said that there is no acceptable slavery in my time today. I mean, the year 900, how, how many years is that? That's 400, 500 years ago. 900 Islamically, yani. 500 years ago, so there's no Islamically, there's no acceptable slavery. The point is here that it is allowed for the Islamic countries to restrict mubah. From amongst the things that, from amongst them is, the jizya for example, from amongst them is, Slavery. From amongst them, what happened recently is one of the one of the countries. They said that the mahar is not allowed to go past fifty thousand riyal. It's not allowed to go past fifty thousand, yani ten thousand pounds. So they restricted it. It's allowed. They're allowed to do that. The ruler is allowed to do that. And this all you learn that when it comes to when you come to the ahkam that are pertaining or the rulings that are pertaining to the ruler and also al ahkam al sultaniyya, the yani siyasa sharia, Islam Islamic politics. You learn about this stuff. Um, so it's very important to understand this and, and a lot of what caused A lot of what caused Ignorant people to speak Is their ignorance of this subject And they make takfir of this and that person Based on ignorance on this subject Saying that they changed the law of Allah and they don't, But he doesn't know that actually It could be even allowed That was about the slave Then he says Now we're talking about a whole different topic Which is looking Looking at a woman What are you allowed to look at when it comes to a woman? So the author rahimahullah ta'ala he says A man looking at a woman comes under seven categories There are seven categories when it comes to looking at a woman Each category has its own ruling So therefore we're going to speak about each category inshallah ta'ala And give each category its own ruling so he says, Ahaduha, the first one is نظره إلى أجنبية لغير حاجة To look at a woman who is not related to you without any need فغير جائز is not allowed So looking at a woman, any part of the woman whether it be awra or non awra According to the Shafi'is, they say that the face of the woman is not awra They say that, right? 
So looking at uh, obviously the opinion that they say that the face of the woman is awra, in that situation, of course, you're not allowed to look at all. Like in, in the Shafi'i method, they say the face is not awra of the woman. If the, uh, looking at the face of the woman without any need is not allowed, even if her face is not awra. So her face is not awra, like you're not allowed to look, even unless there is a need. Unless there is a is a need. Is that clear? Is that clear? Is that clear? Okay. Um, نعم نظر رجل نظره إلى أجنبية لغير حاجة فغير جائز. When we say when we talking about نظر looking, what we what we're speaking about is looking, not seeing. There's a difference, right? There's a difference between seeing and looking. If someone's walking on the streets and he, he looks up and then he sees something and he turns away, as the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he said لك الأولى وليس لك الثانية. You for you you can have the first look, but the second one you can't have. يعني what do you mean by the first look? It means by the accidental look, نظر الفجأة as they say. Accidentally seeing a woman's face is not a sin upon you. But what we mean here is to intentionally look at a woman's face without any need. Then it is not allowed. Wallahu alam. طيب, the opposite. What about a woman looking at a man? As for a woman looking at a man without any need, then there's difference of opinion amongst the scholars. And in fact, amongst the Shafi'is themselves, the Shafi'is themselves, they say, is it allowed for a, a woman? To look at a man or not. One opinion is that she's allowed to look other than the navel and the knee. So above the knee, above his belly button and below his knee, she's allowed to see that. Okay? And the other opinion is that she is the same as the man. She is not allowed to look at the man, just like the man is not allowed to look at the woman. And this is the opinion of Imam al Nawawi, rahimahullah ta'ala. And this is the stronger opinion amongst the Shafi'is that they say. And they use that hadith of the Prophet or the ayah in the Quran. وَقُلْ لِلْمُؤْمِنَاتِ يَغْضُضْنَ مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِنَّ Say to the believing women to look down or to lower the gaze as well. And also the, the men, Allah says in the Quran, وَقُلْ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ يَغْضُضُ مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِمْ Say to the men to lower their gaze. Allah wa'ala. So that's number one. Number two. وَالثَّانِي نَظَرُهُ إِلَى زَوْجَتِهِ وَأَمَتِهِ فَيَجُوزُ أَنْ يَنْظُرَ إِلَى مَاعَدَ الْفَرْجِ مِنْهُمَا Looking at a woman the second type of looking is to look at the private part of his, of his wife. Looking at the private part of your wife. La la, sorry, sorry. Looking at your wife. Looking at your wife. So he says, فَيَجُوزُ It is allowed for you to look at your wife. مَا, your, her whole body. مَا عَدَ الْفَرْجِ مِنْهُمَا Except for her private part. According to this opinion, they say that you're not allowed to look at the private part of your own your own wife. And this is the opinion of some scholars. And this is the opinion of the Shafi'i as well. Or some of the Shafi'i. The other opinion, Wallahu alam, which seems to be stronger, is that a man is allowed to look at everything in his wife and vice versa. The woman is allowed to look at everything, including the private part of both parties. And the evidence for that is the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha when she said that Kuntu agtasilu, I used to do ghusl fi ina'in wahidin ma rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I would do ghusl with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from one uh, container and so I would, we would do ghusl and we would take the water فأقول دعلي دعلي. and so they would be playing and then Aisha would say I used to say to Rasulullah sallallahu sallam, give me water leave the water leave the water Ibn Hajar al-Isqalani rahimahullah ta'ala he says that in this, uh, in this hadith is an evidence to show that it is allowed for the woman and the man to look at each other's private parts okay and rather the most uh, some of the scholars they say this is the opinion of the majority of the scholars that it is allowed طيب. 
and there's nothing to show that it is not allowed. The hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said, "فَإِنَّهُ يُورِثُ الطَّمْسِ it it uh, can cause blindness. It can cause you to be blind, and some scholars they say it can cause the child to become blind. In this hadith, لا أصل له منكر. It's a weak hadith. It's a weak hadith, and it hasn't got any any basis. So therefore, we say this hadith is rejected. It's not a hadith which is authentic hadith, and we have a hadith to show many a hadith to show that it is allowed. Therefore, it is allowed for a man and a woman to look at each other wherever they want. Wallahu uh, a'lam. Um, naam. This third type of looking. He says, Looking at your family members, your maharim, your maharim, meaning that your sisters, your aunties. Where are you allowed to look at when it comes to your sisters and aunties? So the author, he says, the author says, You're allowed to look at them other than between the navel and the knee. So you're not allowed to look at your family members between the navel and the knee. They say, this opinion says that everything else is allowed. Because they say that, uh, according to some scholars, they say that the other areas are not areas of shahwa, of desire. Some scholars, they mention that. Lakin, that is, that is one opinion. Lakin, the other opinion, and we'll see, we'll see uh, uh, what the, the shahrih he says, he says, وَقِيلَ لَا يَنْظُرُ مِنْ مَحَارِمِهِ إِلَّا مَا يَبْدُوا عِنْدَ الْمِهْنَةِ You're not allowed to look at your your, your, your family members Other than what is seen When she's at home Working In the kitchen for example And things like that When they are at home What do they wear? They won't cover their hair for example And their arms and their feet And things like that That's it That's what women Women of, of يعني, Shy culture And good culture have We're not looking at kuffar We're talking about Proper cultures We're not looking at A kafir culture Where a woman Wears whatever she wants In front of her brothers and sisters Okay um, And then in that case you're, she's allowed to, you're allowed to see what she wears at home And you're not allowed to look at anything other than that So a person's not allowed to look at the private part Of the brother or sister Or anything like that it's Something that's not allowed And this is something that anyone who has a fitra salima A normal fitra Would not um, accept And here there's a point that we need to make here And that is That yes, it is something that is mustaqbah Is ugly and, uh, amongst, amongst all of us Insha'Allah ta'ala That a person there are a lot of times that there is leniency between sisters and brothers, brothers and sisters. There's leniency when it comes to clothing. Saying that we're brothers and sisters, it's cool, we're family, right? And things like that. Brothers and sisters. The Sharia even closed that door. The Sharia even closed that door. And that, from this we need to understand that like, um, what, what happened in, when, we, when a lot of people moved to the Kufar lands and adopted non-Muslim cultures... Is that it became normal for a sister, for example, maybe in some households, for her to wear clothing that are not appropriate, whether it be tight jeans or whether it be tight uh, trousers or anything like that, at home, in front of her brothers or sisters or even her father. And this is something that is not allowed. This is something that is not allowed. A person needs to make sure that they're wearing proper clothing even at home. When we say proper clothing, we don't mean jilbaban, hijaban, niqab. What we mean is anything that we don't wear things that are unacceptable culturally. A lot of us, a lot of us from Muslim cultures, from what I can see, a lot of us are from Muslim cultures, it is unacceptable in our parents' culture for them to wear even jeans at home. Rather, most of our mothers, what do they do with their hair? They even cover their hair at home, right? They even cover part of their hair at home. And this is something that's unacceptable in most cultures. So this, this change from, of culture to, to the Western culture, under the pretext of saying, it's not haram, it's not haram, no. 
even if it's your mahram, it's still something that's not allowed and it's still something that needs to be uh, taken precaution from. And from amongst the evidences for this, the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they said, when a woman, when a, when a, when a boy reaches the age of, age of 10, uh, he says, split them up between in the beds. The boy went, split them up from the bed. Don't let them sleep in the same bed. And also in the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu that he prohibited a man from sleeping naked in the same bed with another man. And even, even if they're family. And that, that's something that is prohibited. Even if they're family. Okay? So the point is, is not to accuse people of being in a certain way with their family. Lacking is to prevent any doors to any type of, any type of haram and to any um, unacceptable or uh, things that are looked down upon. Um, culturally Allahu Naam Fi Then he says The fourth type of looking What's the fourth type of looking? He says Looking in order to get married Looking at a wife A woman Or a potential spouse A potential wife What's the ruling When it comes to looking at A potential spouse? The author here, he says, فَيَجُوزُ إِلَى الْوَجْهِ وَالْكَفَّيْنِ You're allowed to look at the face and the hands. You're allowed to look at the face and the hands. And when we say look at, we mean looking at intentionally. Obviously, remember we said that unintentionally is forgiven. Like when it comes to intentionally, a person isn't generally allowed to look unless it is for the intention of the nikah in this situation. Obviously, the other reasons will come to it, inshaAllah ta'ala. Like in the nikah, you're allowed to look. طيب. فَيَجُوزُ إِلَى الْوَجْهِ وَالْكَفَّيْنِ What are you allowed to look at? He says, the author says, the face and the hands. طيب. The hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he said to Al-Mughira bin Shu'bah انظر فإنه أحرى أن يؤدم بينكما When Al-Mughira رضي الله تعالى عنه was about to get married and he was going to marry a woman from the Ansar from the, he was from the Ansar he was about to marry a woman and he came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to tell him about this news and so the Prophet ﷺ asked him, did you look at her? So he said, no. And so the Prophet ﷺ said, look at her. Because it is more likely for you to have love between you. Meaning for attraction to be there. Without, without, in another hadith, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, He said that the, the eyes of the Ansar, they have something wrong. So look at her. Make sure you look first. Okay. So uh, from this we understand that it is allowed to look. That's the evidence for that. Um, then if you look at the Sharih, he mentions here, he says, It's allowed for a person to constantly look, look again and again. For what reason though? To look again and again at, at, at the potential wife. Why? To make sure. Just to make sure that he is, that's what, something that he wants. And there is no difference whether he looks with her permission or no permission. Does a man need permission? To look at a potential spouse, he does not need permission. He does not need the permission of the of the of the of the girl, nor does he need the permission of the wali. He doesn't need any permission from that. What is what permission? What does he need? He needs the permission of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. What's the permission of Allah? Looking in order for marriage, and not looking for purposes of anything that's haram, just for taladud, just for pleasure, just to look at let's look at look at women. No, it's not allowed in that situation. So he says, If that's not possible, Then if he's not able to look at her or see her, then in that situation, he sends a woman to go and look at her 
and then come back and describe her, how she looks. Because the hadith of Umm Salama, where the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told her, Unzuru, unziri ila urqubiha wa shammi ma'atifiha. Look at her, about her, look at her body, her body shape, and also her um, different body curves. Naam. Then he says, وَالْمَرَأَةُ أَيْضًا إِذَا رَغِبَتْ فِي نِكَاحِ الرَّجُلِ تَنْظُرْ إِلَيْهِ Also similarly, this is, not, it's from the, this is from the Sharh, I'm reading from the Sharh right now, the explanation. He said also, the woman, if she wants to marry a, woman, a man, then she is also allowed to look at him. فَإِنَّهُ يُعْجِبُهَا مِنْهُ مَا يُعْجِبُهُ مِنْهَا because she is, she is attracted, just like you are attracted. A man is attracted to a woman, just like men are attracted to, women are attracted to men. This is narrated from Umar Then he mentions what you're allowed to look at. Uh, now this is also an important point as well. When are you allowed to look? Yani you just random looking on the street, walking on the street, say, why are you looking? I'm, I might get married to one of them. Huh? Is that allowed? No. Mm -mm. He says, When are you allowed to look? After you are intending to possibly marry her. After you are intending to possibly marry her. And before the proposal. Before the proposal. Why? Why before the proposal? Because if someone now proposes to a woman. And then he, he's never seen. And then he looks. And then he's not impressed. Then in that situation he's going to break her heart. So the scholars they give, they give um, consideration to that. So he says, So that he doesn't leave her after the proposal, and then he's going to harm her. This is what scholars say. So another opinion is that when the nikah is actually accepted, and another opinion is that when both parties are attracted to each other, like the correct opinion is that he's allowed to look when? When you're intending to possibly marry her. And before the khitbah. Then he says, وَإِذَا نَظَرَ If you now look at this woman, فَلَمْ تُعْجِبْهُ And you're not impressed by, it, by her, فَلْيَسْكُتْ Be quiet. Don't say anything harmful to her. وَلَا يَقُلْ لَا أُرِيدُهَا Don't say, I don't want her. لِأَنَّهُ إِذَا Because that's harmful for her. And this is something that a lot of um, people, they may um, fall into by accident. And that is that he will look at a sister, for example, and then... He will go back and he would say that she's not attractive to me, therefore I don't want her. Or she'll say it to her, and that will go to her. And things like this, this is harmful for the believer. And this is not from the characteristics of the believers. The believers do not harm each other, even when it comes to words, right? So from the adab, from the adab and from the man, manlyhood of a man, from the manlyhood of a man, is for a person to be able to know what to say in this situation. They make up another excuse, or they keep quiet and they say, I'll think about it. Or they say, I'll not think about it. Then you might don't say that. Now can you keep quiet? Or you say something that's going to, inshallah ta'ala, go from another angle other than the looks of a person. Because no doubt that's something that's going to harm her in terms of her feelings. Wallahu alam. We have the hadith of Jabir Abdullah radiallahu anhu. The evidence to show that a man is allowed to look is the hadith of Jabir Abdullah radiallahu anhu that he would go on top of the tree in order to look at a potential woman by the permission of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Okay? That shows that, he, and, uh, naam, naam, last mas'ala, what's the last issue? The last mas'ala is, what are you allowed to look at? We said the face and the hands, right? That's the Shafi'i opinion. The other opinion, which is the stronger opinion, wallahu alam, is that it is allowed for a man to look at a woman um, when she is in her mihna, the same way she's at home. Just like we said that the brother and sister is allowed to look at the sister, similar, the man is allowed to look at his a potential woman in her 
home dress. And the scholars, they give a, a rough idea of that and they say it is the hair. She's allowed, he's allowed to look at the hair and he's allowed to look at the neck. The neck, not the chest, the neck. And the arms up to the elbows, يعني, and the shin. And up to the shin, the feet up to the shin. طيب? That is what is allowed to be looked at. What's the evidence for that? The evidence for that is a lack of evidence to specify a certain amount. Specifying the face and the hands. But that's the lack of evidence. طيب, someone might say, okay, there's no evidence. Why can't I look at the whole body? And this is the opinion of you? Ibn Hazm. Ibn Hazm took that opinion. How can we say that? It's not, it's not something that's permissible. It's not allowed. And this is not an acceptable opinion. alam. It's not an acceptable opinion. Because it goes against the principles of the Sharia. And the principles of the Sharia, they restrict certain evidences. You understand? طيب? Is that clear? No. I'm intending to marry this sister. Okay, I tell them this is the girl. I intend to marry her as well. La, la. This, when we're talking about you yourself, the man. I'm talking to the man. I'm talking to the sister. Right now, the man is the one who's looking. If a person now, if a person's walking on the street, and then he, he's looking at a woman, and you say, brother, look at your gaze. He said, I might marry her. How do you know whether, he might be, it might be telling the truth, right? Because it might be a sister that he actually heard about, and, this, and he saw her on the street randomly. And he might be telling the truth, right? So when we're talking about this, we're talking about you in front of your Allah. Yani when we say you're allowed to look at her after Azim and before the nikah, after, after intending to marry her, then we're talking about you in front of Allah. The person, yani no one can stop you from looking, apart from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Yeah. So that's what, that's what it means. So two quick questions. Yeah. Uh, the first one is that um, when, the, when the man's going to uh, pursue and do the Azim, it's not allowed for a woman to beautify herself for the man before the marriage. Not allowed because this is part of cheating. It's cheating, and um, we have to understand here. What's the intention behind this looking? Is it just for beautification, just to know each other, get to know that? It's in the intention behind the looking, and this is very, very important as the question of Ahmed as well. This looking, the intention behind it is. To see if you're suitable for her, if you're attracted to her. That's the intention behind the looking. It is not for pleasure purposes. As for, so if a woman comes and puts on makeup, then you haven't, you haven't got that goal. You haven't received that or you haven't attained that, that, that intention, right? That goal, which is what? Just to see if you're, if you're attracted to each other. Because she put on makeup, so you don't know how she looks actually. You don't actually know how she looks. Right? So we have to understand the intention behind the looking. The intention behind the looking is not pleasure the in, or, or to attract the other gender. It is to check if you are suitable. You understand? So therefore, based on that, of course, it's not allowed for a woman to put on make, makeup for that. No. The second question is, does that count as also pictures and stuff like that? Someone shows you a picture. Like no, yeah. Pictures, yeah. It comes under right now. What would be responsibility if people said there's a lack of evidence so you can't open up the discussion to say the I said the what? The face, the hair, the neck. What was the response? The response is the principles of the Sharia go against saying, allowing a woman to be looked at. Fully, the whole body. The principle of Sharia goes against that. No. Is that answered, yeah? Mm-hmm. الخامس, the fifth type of looking. The fifth type of looking of, to a woman is النظر للمداوات فيجوز إلى المواضع التي يحتاج إليها Looking in order, uh, looking for the purposes of medicine. Looking for the purposes of medicine. يعني, for example, a woman is ill and a doctor is male. So where is this male doctor allowed to look? 
He's only allowed to look فَيَجُوزُ إِلَى الْمَوَاضِعِ الَّتِي يَحْتَاجُ إِلَيْهَا He's allowed to look at the points that he needs. For example, she needs to have an operation had on her knee. So in that situation we say that the doctor is only allowed to look at the knee and whatever he needs to look at. Only allowed to look at the knee, whatever he needs to look at. And with this there's conditions. And the evidence for this is the hadith of Ummu Salama radiallahu anha that she sought permission from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to get hijama from Abu Talha. And so she was done, hijama was done upon her by Abu Talha. Um, and this is because of medicine. Hijama is a type of medicine. The conditions of this are, number one, is that there is no khalwah. There is no... Um, no uh, Private sitting, being private. Yani a man and a woman sitting down in one private room where no one can see or hear them. Khalwa. This is called khalwa. So a man and a woman being um, alone. Yani alone. A man and a woman being alone, they ha- they, there's not allowed to be any khalwa. Number two is that she needs this medicine. She needs this. Okay? And number three is that there is no female doctor who can do the same job. There is no female doctor who can do the same job in that situation. Then it will be allowed for her to um, uncover a part of her body that is needed to be looked at for medical purposes. And it's only that part only. No. So once is not enough? No, once is not enough. Uh, like, you know, for yeah, whatever's needed to uncover. Whoever's needed to uncover. Like, let's say a doctor, we're talking, about, we're talking to the doctor here, for example. The doctor, he says, uh, sometimes he comes and asks a question. He says that sometimes I have to do an oper- operation of a woman. What am I allowed to look at? We say to him, look at what you need to look. So he says, that I need to look at the knee, and I need to look at the a bit lower and a bit higher, just to make sure. So like, okay, look at that part. He says, okay, can I look at the hand? I said, why? <laughs> said, no, you're not allowed to look at the hand. Tayyip, you understand? Is that clear? Mm. So there's no khalwa. طيب طيب then he says والسادس the sixth type of looking is النظر للشهادة والمعاملة فيجوز إلى الوجه خاصة looking at someone in order for for الشهادة يعني for making a witness in court a person if they go into court or a court of law and there was a crime committed by a woman for example and a man, he says, I saw who done it. And the woman is wearing niqab in court. Do we say the woman, you have to, you're, you're, to the man, you're allowed to look at her to, make, to identify her? Yes. You understand? So in order to identify a witness. In order to identify a witness. Also for transaction, a dealing. For example, I'm buying something from the shop. And the woman, and, and, I, and I say that maybe that this, this person might be cheating. Right? She might be cheating me. So I say, I need to look at you in order to, just in case something happens, I'll take you to court and I know who you are. For identification purposes, for basically. For identification purposes, then it's allowed. Okay? Is that clear? And that, um, I remember, we don't have to give examples. In this situation, you're allowed to look at her face only. Only allowed to look at her, only look at, allowed to look at her face. In the last situation, which is something that's not present today, is a sabi' a nazaru ila al-amati inda ibtiya'iha fayajuzu nazaru ila al-mawdi' al-lazhi yahtaju ilayhi fi taqlibiha wala yasna'am يعني looking at a, a slave woman for a person who's buying a slave woman then he's allowed to look at the slave woman whoever he needs from her and that's something that's not really present 
today wallahu ta'ala a'lam what time is it shah no 40 something huh طيب he says ويصح عقد النكاح ولا يصح عقد النكاح إلا بولي ذكر وشاهدين ويفتقر الولي والشاهدان إلى ستة شرائط he says that the nikah نعم the nikah is not correct except by عقد النكاح إلا بولي so from the conditions now we're talking about from the conditions of the nikah from the conditions of the nikah from the conditions of the nikah is to have a wali, number one. A male wali. A male wali. Washahidain and two witnesses. And two witnesses. And this wali and these two witnesses, they need to have six conditions present in them. Okay? Six conditions. For someone to be a wali, they need to have six conditions present in them. The, re- the evidence for the fact that a woman, she's not allowed to be married or off except by a wali is the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from Aisha radiallahu anha that she said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said La nikah illa bi waliyin wa shahidi adl That there is no nikah except by a wali and two just witnesses And the Prophet and, and, and it's narrated also from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Whoever, any woman, any woman who marries herself off, then her marriage is invalid, is invalid, is invalid. And from this we understand that the woman, her wali, uh, from the conditions of the nikah, is that she has to have a wali. And the job of the wali isn't to oppress the woman, rather it's to protect her from evil. Is to protect her from evil. We understand this from many different angles. Look at this look, to make to make you really understand how the wali is only there to 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 protect her. The wali is not allowed to refuse anyone who comes to marry her without a legit, legit Islamically acceptable reason, legitimate reason, yani, without any Islamically acceptable reason. The Prophet sallallahu If someone comes to you that has good manners and good relig- religiosity, good deen. Then marry him off. If you do not do it, then there's going to be fitna on the earth. And there's going to be widespread corruption. From the ways that we also see the evidence that Allah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, don't, don't, um, don't do al-adl, which is to prevent a woman from getting married. The scholars they say, what do you mean by prevent? A, 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 suit, a suitor comes to propose to her. And the wali, he acts arrogant. He doesn't say no, huh? he just acts arrogant. Who are you? Yeah, like that, huh? He looks at her in a, in a certain way. It's not allowed. Rather, if he does something like that, or prevents her without any valid reason, then she's allowed to take him to court and change the wali. To show what? That the wali, the wilaya of the wali is based on maslaha, benefit of the woman. It's not based on his own desires, his own honor. Okay? So this, this is a principle that we need to understand. And this, this is a principle that is not just... Remember when I said principle, I don't just apply in one situation. Our principles apply in many different parts of the deen. For example, the wilaya of the ruler. The ruler, his wilaya, his rulership, is not based on his own personal gains. He is not allowed to do anything that is, that is just based on his own personal gains. That's why Imam al-Shafi'i says um, um, that the wilaya of the, of the leader is munatun bil maslaha. 
over the over the over the people. It is based on, on, on the benefit of the people. The ruler is only allowed to do what is better for the people. He is not allowed to do be what is better for him as a ruler. And if he does that, then there's a different situation. Like in, he's not allowed. Similarly, the wali. The wali over the woman is only, only there in order to protect her. And we have many different um, examples to show that. طيب. And there's conditions for this wali now. And these shahideen. So, six conditions. Now, number one is al-Islam. The wali has to be a Muslim. Because Allah says in the Quran, وَلَنْ يَجْعَلَ اللَّهُ لِلْكَافِرِينَ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ سَبِيلًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never allow a disbeliever to be above the believer. Therefore, the wali of a believing woman can never be a kafir. So if the father is a Christian and the, 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 the daughter is a, a Muslim, then her wali is not her father. Her wali is going to become someone else. Walbulugh has to be at the age of puberty. Has to have passed the age of puberty. Number three is wal'aql. Has to be sane. Has to be sane. Number three, or number four, sorry, is al-hurriya. Has to be free. Yeah, and you can't be a slave. Can't be a slave. And the last one is wal-adalah. He has to be someone who is just. Yani he's not a person who commits. They say yani, major sins. Yani. Someone who commits major sins. They say he, um, he's not adil. He's not adil. Hmm. No, no. Two separate witnesses. Different. Okay. Um, then he says, what did he say here? Is that, is that six? Oh, male. Did I not mention male? Oh, sorry, male. Sorry, yeah, he's here. Male, yeah. Has to be a male as well. It can't be a female. It can't be a female. A wali cannot be a female in nikah. Remember that principle I mentioned to you guys, or that, that general um, definitions that I gave to you guys a long time ago? That the wilaya is different types. There's wilaya of nikah. There's wali of nikah, there's wali of wealth. Yani if, a, if, a child has a lot of, if a child has a lot of money, then the money can be looked after by a woman. Like when it comes to nikah, the wilaya cannot be given to a woman. Then the woman, she's never a wali over, over nikah, ever. The wali is only a man. Tayyip. Um, 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 look at the adala when it comes to adala justice he says the fasiq the major sinner is he considered to be is he allowed to become the wali over his daughter there's difference of opinion the madhab is that he doesn't become a wali according to the madhab because uh, the wali has to be murshid he has to be someone who is rightly He's uh, upright, يعني. لأن الفاسق يقدر في الشاهد. فكذا في الوا في في الولي كرقي ويستثنى من هذا السيد. فإنه يزوج أمته وإن كان فاسقا لأنه يزوج بالملك على الأصح لا بالولاية. نعم. الرافعي يسأل إن أكثر المتأخرين أفتى بأن الفاسق يلي. The, the majority of the latest scholars they say that the fasiq, the major sinner, can be a wali. لا سيما الخرا الخراسانيون. 
especially the scholars of the Khurasani Tariq of the Madhab al-Shafi'i وَاخْتَارْهُ الرُّوْيَانِ قَالَ النَّوَوِي النَّوَوِي says وَاسْتُفْتِيَ الْغَزَالِي الْغَزَالِي was asked في ولاية الفاسق about the wilaya of a major sinner in marriage فَقَالَ إِنْ كَانَ لَوْ سَلَبْنَاهُ الْوِلَايَةِ لَنْتَقَلَتْ إِلَى حَاكِمٍ يَرْتَكُبُ مَا نَفْسُقُهُ بِهِ that a lot of times when it comes to wilaya, a lot of people what they do is that they say they're trying to marry another a man. They're trying to marry a man. A woman's trying to marry a man. And her, her, her father is rejecting. So what did she say? My dad, he smokes. Therefore, he can't be my wali. He wants to change it. Based on what? Based on his, her desires. So he says that this wilaya should not be moved from the father to another person, to the ruler, just because he's a fasiq, he's a major sinner. And if we know that it's going to move to a, a we know it's going to move to the, the to the leader who's going to be worse than the than the father. In that case, it doesn't move. Rather, the father stays as the wali. And in today's situation in the UK, we need to be extra careful of this because a lot of people, when they're in the UK, especially when there's no Islamic court, what they can do, what they try to do is to try to change the wali. Say, my father, he doesn't pray. But the real reality behind it is what she just wants to marry someone else. And this is something that needs to be taken care of. There needs to be a, there's a fine line between them. And this is something that is taken to judges and courts. But this is just for your, for your information. But generally it should be taken to judges and to a court. Then he says, That the non-Muslim, in Muslim lands, she's a Christian for example, she doesn't need a Muslim wali. Because she's a non-Muslim, so therefore her father, who's a non-Muslim, can be also her wali. And also the slave woman, the, the, her owner doesn't need to be adjust, yeah, and doesn't have to be. He can be a major sinner. If he's a major sinner, he can marry off his his slave. Um, wallahu alam. The last, the last thing that we'll mention is who, who's the wali? Who's the wali? He says, al wala. The most, uh, the person who deserves to be the wali first is al ab, the father. As long as the father is alive, no one can take the wilaya of him. As long as the father is alive, no one can take the wilaya of him. Who comes after the father? Thummal jad, the grandfather. If the father's not there, then the grandfather becomes the wali. And the father's father. Then after that becomes the, the brother. Then after that, the brother's son. Then the, the father's brother, and the uncle. Then... The uncle's son, yani the cousin. Then the uncle's son. Then anyone, uh, other, other men who are related to her. In that order. So what is it? Grandfather? Then brother? Huh? In a way, the grandfather? Then the, the, the brother. I said the father, then the grandfather, then the brother. The brother, then the son of the brother. Yeah, the son of the brother. Yani a sister, a woman. She has a brother, his son, yani her nephew. Taib. Then, then uh, the uncle, her uncle, her father's brother. Then her uncle's son, yani her cousin. Then the rest of the family. Taib. He didn't mention son. The son of the the son of the woman can she be can the, if a woman she's married, then she was divorced. She had a, she had a son. Then she wants to get married again. Can her son be her wali? We say that the correct opinion is that he can. Shafi'i they say he can't. Like we have the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So what, what, we, what do we take? The hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam married. Muslim was married off by her, by her son. 
And that shows that it is allowed for the son to become the wali. Rather, they say that the son has more right to wilaya than anyone else after the father and the grandfather. So we have the father, grandfather, then the son. And that is a strong opinion. Shafi'i, they say no. Lakin, that is a strong opinion. The son can be the wali. Wallahu alam. Then he says, فَإِنْ عَدَمَتِ الْأَصَبَاتِ فَالْمَوْلَ الْمُعْتِقِ Then the one who frees you. Yani if, you're, if, a man was, if a person was a slave, she was a slave, then she was freed by a man. Then that man becomes her wali after. ثُمَّ الْحَاكِمْ Then the, the, the ruler. The ruler becomes the hakim after that. Yani the last one we say, the ruler. Add that to the end. The ruler. And in today's situation, we have the imam of the masajid. And I would recommend, of course, the bigger masajid, not just any masjid. Any little masjid here, you come and say, Yasin, become the wali. Because he's teaching in the masjid. That's not the situation. You go and you go to a recognized masjid in the, in the UK, of course. Obviously, in Islamic countries, they have judges, Islamic judges who are, uh, who take the wilaya. And this is only allowed to happen when the wali is not there or the wali is stripped of his wilaya. He's stripped of his wilaya because he's not suitable to be a wali. Wallahu a'lam wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa man hikmah tabi'ahum bi ihsan li wa middin wa alhamdulillah rabbil alameen.